as we come to look at God's Word, uh, one of the things that I think is good to remember and to remind ourselves uh, is from Psalm 19, verse 10. And this is what David says about God's Word. Um, so David says this, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. So let's remember and let's um, see God's Word as it is. So it is sweeter than the honeycomb, than honey from the honeycomb that it will refresh our souls. So the passage today that we're looking at is from Matthew chapter 7, and it is the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And this parable, this passage, comes at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. And this is where Jesus has been speaking about what it means to be his follower, to be in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. R.T. France, now he wrote this in his commentary about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he says this, it deals with the character, duties, attitudes, and dangers of the Christian disciple. It is a manifesto setting out the nature of life in the kingdom of heaven. So the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that's told to people who are followers of Jesus, who are his disciples, who know people who know about his teachings and his words. So in Matthew chapter 5, right at the start of Sermon on the Mount, we read that Jesus went up to the mountains, went on the mountainside, he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So this is a sermon for us, for Christians, for people who know and love Jesus. So the story of the wise and foolish builders, that comes at the end of the sermon as a conclusion, as a summons to the disciples about what are they going to do now, now that they have heard Jesus' words. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. So the passage is in your booklet, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to read from verse 13 onwards, all the way to verse 29. So Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 29, but I will start at verse 13. If you don't have your Bible, that's, that's okay, just listen to what I read. Verse 13, and this is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this is uh, the conclusion of Jesus' sermon. This, this is what he says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree does not bear, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus by their fruit you will recognize this. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell you, Tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And now verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. 
The rain came now, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let me pray quickly. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, as you hopefully have noticed as I read that passage, this is a parable about two different builders who have built their houses on very different foundations. Right? You have the wise builder who builds their, his house on a foundation of solid rock. And then you have the foolish builder who built his house with sand at his foundation, as his foundation. And I recently came across a very short video clip and I feel perfectly encapsulates this parable. So if you go home and Google this or YouTube this, River Eats House, this is just a, like a 30 second clip. What we see in this clip is that we see a brand new home that's just been built, right? Brand new home. Many people in front of it, you know, trying to celebrate that new home. But as you watch that clip, you suddenly see the ground starts moving. And then slowly you see it sinking, taking with this the entire house because the, the house was built beside a river. And the house was completely underwater within 10 seconds. 10 seconds from bricks, nice big new house to underwater in 10 seconds. That is all because they did not build the house on a solid foundation. <coughs> it was on a foundation that's slippery, that's muddy, that's loose, the very opposite of solid. And as a result of that, it gets washed away in 10 seconds. So you have all this effort being done, countless hours laying brick by brick to build this house, but because they did not build it on a solid foundation, everything they built did not amount to anything. It washed away literally in 10 seconds. The foundation is extremely important, supremely important. If you don't have the foundation, the house comes tumbling down. So in this parable then, is pointing us and asking us, what is your foundation? What are you building your foundation of your life on? Is it on solid rock or is it on sand? And that's the question the parable is asking us as we read it. What is your foundation? So as we come to this parable, there are two main actions that this passage encourages us to do, and we are called to do both of them. And if we do the both of them, then we will be building a foundation on solid rock of our, um, in our lives, perfectly able to hold up our own house, our own lives for the rest of our lives. Two points, very straightforward points, very simple points, but it takes a lifetime to master it. All right, so point number one, hear and know the word of God. Hear and know the word of God. So both the wise and the foolish builders, they both know the word of God. Right, they know what Jesus has told them. They know his teachings. They know his life. <coughs> they know his call for obedience. <coughs> and so they both know that, and then they went on to build the houses based on that. So how, the house in this parable is a picture of their lives. So they went about living their lives based on what they have heard or have been taught. That's their response to God's word. So remember that most of these people who are listening to this sermon, who listen to the Sermon on the Mount, they would have known their Old Testament really well. They would have known who God is. They would have known how God would have wanted them to live. So they would have heard about the salvation that this God will bring to us through Jesus. They would have heard about Jesus' message of faith and repentance. After all, 
they just heard about the Sermon on the Mount. And the way they built their houses based on what they know is the indication of how they are responding to God's word. How to live their lives in light of the gospel. They heard and know the word of God. Which, of course, we have to ask ourselves, do we hear and know the word of God? Do we read our Bibles and know the word of God? Just how much of God's word do we actually know? The one survey that's conducted by um, Lifeway, and they ask Christians how often they read their Bibles. Right, here are the results. 19% says every day. 26% says a few times a week. 14% says once a week. 22% says at least once a month. And then 18% rarely or never. And these are Christians they're asking. Well, many Christians don't really read the Bible often, really. And they really don't know the Word of God very well. So let me encourage each of you, I don't know where you fall within that category, to, let me encourage you to dive into your Bibles more often. Because knowing and hearing the Word of God is a great blessing to us. I think one of the reasons why we find it hard to motivate ourselves to come and read God's Word is oftentimes we forget the great blessings that come from doing that. But yet, if you go and read, for example, Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm in the Scriptures, coming at 176 verses, I don't know how many of you have read the psalm before, do you realize that psalm is a psalm about the Word of God? So in Psalm 119 alone, God's Word refreshes our soul, strengthens us when we are weary, gives us counsel, gives us hope, it comforts us, it preserves us. The Word of God blesses us as we read them. We read about God's love for us as we read God's Word. It encourages us, it blesses us. So let me encourage you, if you have time, even today or maybe during the next week, take a few minutes, sit down, and just read Psalm 119 and see what the psalmist says about the Word of God. I did that a few, uh, once, a few months ago, and it was a great blessing to me. So do you hear and do you know the Word of God? So let me encourage you to develop the habit to read God's Word every day, even if it's just five minutes a day, just five minutes. It will be a great blessing to your soul. So both the builders in this parable, they know God's Word. They hear God's Word. Now, of course, despite the fact that they know and hear the the words of Jesus, God's word, the one thing, the one major thing that sets them apart is how they respond to it. And that has tremendous consequences. So they have completely different responses to the word of God, to what Jesus has said. And because of that, what they built has completely different outcomes. So that's point number two that I want to bring up. Put into practice God's Word or the Word of God. So don't just hear and know God's Word, but put them into practice. Don't just listen to God's Word, but embrace it. Don't just be hearers of God's Word, but be doers of God's Word. So the wise builder chose to build his house on the rock, solid foundation, so that when the rain came and the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, it did not fall, did not crumble. It stood strong against those elements. The other builder chose to build it on sand. And when the storm came, when the elements came and struck the house, it fell with a great crash. It 
could not withstand the elements. So we know and heard God's word. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond to it? How we choose to respond to God's word is like which foundation we're building our lives on. What is your foundation? Is it the rock or the sand? Do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Kasuhiko Ishibashi. You probably haven't heard of this guy. But Kasuhiko Ishibashi is a well-respected professor. He's a seismologist at the at Kobe University in Japan. Now, if you're not sure what a seismologist do, they are experts in understanding earthquakes. Um, so Kasuhiko Ishibashi, what he has been doing, he's been warning the Japanese government about the country's many nuclear power plants. They are all in serious danger, um, and in, in danger of serious damage, or even a meltdown, because these nu nuclear power plants haven't been built um, with earthquake-prone um, safeties. So they all have been built in earthquake-prone areas. So he's been warning the Japanese government to do something about that. In 2006, he was a member of a committee that was to revise the national guidelines on making Japan's nuclear power plants more resistant to earthquakes. <coughs> so he proposed that they should review all their guidelines, all their standards of surveying and assessing these dangers so he knows that danger is coming. It's just a matter of time. So he proposed to do that, to review all these things so that they can do something about that. But guess what? It was rejected. It fell on deaf ears. So as a result of this, he resigned from the committee. He said that the um, review process currently is unscientific and also the, uh, that the Japanese engineers were overconfident in their own skills to build these power plants to withstand an earthquake specifically. This is why he said in the conference a bit later on. <clears throat> I think the situation right now is very scary. It, it is like a kamikaze terrorist wrapped in bombs just waiting to explode. So he knows there's danger coming. And this is referring to the situation regarding the nuclear power plants. Well, in March the 11th, 2011, some of you may recall this, all of his fears came true. A huge offshore earthquake happened and tsunami happened and damaged the Fukushima nuclear power plant. It resulted in a level seven international nuclear event, which is the highest level, the highest level of nuclear disaster possible. And as a result of this, the whole area has to be evacuated. Some 300,000 people were evacuated. So significant amounts of radioactive materials were released into the ground, into the ocean waters. The Japanese government had to ban the sale of food that has been grown in the area up to 50 kilometers from the plant because they detected a high level of radiation in the soil and in the water. That is a huge disaster that will take decades to clear up. All this because they did not listen to Kasuhiko Ishibashi. He warned them, he told them about that. Two months after the, the disaster, he said this, if Japan had faced up to the dangers earlier, we could have prevented Fukushima. They heard him. They knew what he thought. He gave them their his um, expert opinion, professional opinion. They knew what he said, but they did not choose to follow on what he said. And when the wind came and the storm came, and in this case, when the earthquake came, the house came tumbling down. Disaster struck 
and it had huge consequences. What are you building your foundation on? Are you doers of God's word? Are you merely hearers of God's word? Are you building your life on a solid rock of God's word by doing it? Or are you building your life on the shifting sands of your own desires by ignoring God's word? What is your foundation? And that is such a simple but important question for our lives, isn't it? If we are not building our lives on a solid rock, and life throws us a curveball when trials and tribulations come, it all comes crashing down. But in some ways, let's admit it, it is not easy to do that. It is so easy to build our lives on shif- shifting sands, isn't it? So easy to come to church every week, sing, sing some songs, listen to some inspiring sermons, go home, and then ignore God for the rest of the week. It is so easy for us to do that. But that cannot sustain us for the long haul. It cannot sustain us through the hardships that life on this earth will bring. Ultimately, Jesus himself said that this lifestyle of just coming to church and then forgetting God for the rest of the week, Jesus says that this lifestyle shows that we're not even following Jesus. Remember his verse just before this parable. This is what he says. Remember this verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Doers of God's word. Many will say to me on that day, on the final day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Or some Christians will say, Lord, Lord, did we not sing great songs in your name? And preach in your name or run ministries in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Only the ones who hear and do God's will who will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who are hearers and doers of God's word. And people may be saying, did we not sing songs of praise to Jesus? Did we not run many ministries in our church in Jesus' name? And then we forget about Jesus for the rest of the week. Jesus will turn to them and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I do not know any stronger or scarier sentence possible from Jesus. I never knew you. Very, very strong language. So, by giving us this parable of this wise and foolish builder, what Jesus is doing, he's imploring us, don't do that. Don't do that. Be doers of God's word. Build our house Build our lives on a solid rock of God's word by obeying it and doing it. Don't be foolish. Don't build your house on sand. It will come crashing down. You won't be able to enter the kingdom of heaven like that. Now, at this point, I want you to notice something as well. Both the builders built their own houses, but before the storm and elements came, those houses would have looked very similar. It might not be the same design, but the idea is the how they are both houses in of themselves. From external appearances, outside appearances, both these houses look perfectly normal. But it is the foundation that sets the house apart. 
So from the outside speaking, externally speaking, they may look the same. But if you examine it closer, it could not be more different. It's the same in this world. Hearers and doers of the word, from the outside, they both look the same. They may go to church every week, may sing praises to God, as I mentioned. May be involved in ministry, sometimes even pray. From external appearances, both seem to be Christians. But when the storms of the life hits them, it is only then we recognize and notice the different foundations that they have. And the contrast that's shown is a contrast between one of obedience of doing God's word and disobedience of not doing God's word to the teaching and the words of Jesus. So, for example, in the area of forgiveness, just in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has said that we should be forgiving and forgive other people when they sin against us. He says this in Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6. But forgiving others when they have sinned against us is not easy, is it? But yet we are called to do that. So are we going to obey that or are we simply going to choose not to forgive? Only you would know that. Nobody else would be able to know that. So what are you building your foundation on? One person in the Bible who chose to forgive the people that did terrible things to him is Joseph. So in the story of Joseph, you know that his brothers, they were jealous of him. As a result of that, they faked his death. They beat him up and they sold him into slavery. So Joseph was taken in as a slave. He eventually ends up in Egypt. And when he was in Egypt, he ended up somehow or another working for Potiphar. But again, he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. And because of that, he gets thrown into jail. But then somehow or another in jail, he meets a cupbearer and he meets a baker. They had dreams. He interpreted their dreams. And then one of them gets released and the cupbearer forgets forgets Joseph, forgets to um, mention his good name to the Pharaoh. But somehow, after that, eventually he ends up interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was really impressed by Joseph, by his relationship to God and his wisdom. So what Pharaoh did, he made them him the second most powerful person in the whole kingdom. Pharaoh said, this guy is really smart. God is definitely working through him. We need him to help with um, the kingdom. So he was Pharaoh's vice regent, the second in command. Now if, now that Pharaoh, Joseph is the second in command, second most powerful person in the kingdom, he has the authority and the power. Do you know what he could have done? He could have just so easily summoned the cupbearer, summoned Potiphar's wife, and have them jailed or even murdered. He could have easily done that without any problems whatsoever. And his brothers eventually came to him. They were begging him for food because of the famine. He could have so easily ordered the palace guards to imprison them, to, um, to have them killed. But he didn't do any of those things. Instead, he revealed who he is to them, to his brothers. And in fact, he eventually invited them and the whole family to Egypt to stay. He forgave them. <coughs> Now, I don't think it was easy for him to do that. Don't think it was easy for him to do that. After all, his brothers caused him untold miseries by selling him into slavery. But he chose to forgive them. 
He did not harbor resentment against them. He did not try to seek revenge against them, even though he could have easily done so. And that is only possible because he has been obeying God throughout his life. He has been building a strong foundation. If he hasn't been doing that, do you think he would have been able to forgive them throughout the hardships and storms of his life when he was faced with his brothers? Of course not. These big steps of obedience, especially through hardships and struggles in life, are only possible, only possible if you have been obedient in the small things in life. It is from these small steps of obedience in your everyday life that you slowly build up your foundation on your so on solid rock. And then only when life struggles come, hardships come, then you are able to withstand anything that's thrown at you. So do not think that you have been disobeying God, not following Him the whole time through. Suddenly you are able to do this on a whim. You won't be able to. But you are only able to do that if you have been following God step by step, slowly, in everyday life, in small steps of obedience. Only when these things come, then you find yourself, huh, I, I, I could obey and follow what God has been doing because you've been doing that your whole life. So what are you building your foundation on in your everyday life? Are you only being a hearer of God's word? Or are you also a doer of God's word? Jesus is imploring you in this passage to build your life on solid rock by obeying him. Don't build it on shifting sand. Many of you probably have heard about the Leaning Tower of Pisa, or Pisa, however you pronounce that. It is a bell tower in the Italian city of Pisa. It's well known throughout the world for its unintended tilt. So many of you probably have seen that. I'm sure you've seen pictures of this tower, and when people take photos of this tower, you know, they love to pretend that they're holding up the tower, right? Some of you probably have traveled there and seen that yourself. So this tower, this building, instead of a normal building where it all goes straight up, like all the buildings in Perth, right, and we thank God for that, this building is tilted, right? It's tilted. And the tower still began during construction in the year 1173. And that is caused by a lack of proper foundation with the ground on one side being softer, too soft to properly support the building. So as a result of that, the tower's tilt continued more and more as they, the taller they built it and gradually increased all, uh, for decades to come. So the tower wasn't built on a solid foundation. And the tower would have collapsed if it wasn't for efforts in the 20th and 21st century. And what they did was they, they stabilized the foundation, stabilized the, the structure. It wasn't tilted when they first built it, but as they continued to build more and more, the tower got more and more tilted because it got heavier and heavier. And the higher it went, the more tilted it was. So the tower did not collapse immediately when it's built. But if left unchecked, if it was built more and more, it would have collapsed without a doubt. It may have taken years, but it would have happened. But because they took the effort to stabilize it, now the tower is secure. The tower is secure. So if you look at the other side of the tower, which you don't normally see in the photos, if you look at the other side of the tower, 
you see these huge big bricks. They, they would put there to hold down the foundation, the other side, so that it doesn't topple. So this soft shifting foundation has been mended, has been fixed, has been changed to a solid one to hold up the structure. And that can be a picture of our obedience. Some of us here may have been only been hearers of God's word. You haven't been obeying him for many, many years. Your life hasn't come crashing down like um, what we see in the parable. But like the tower, eventually one day it will if nothing is done. And we realize that. Right? We realize that we've been hearers of God's word, but we don't do anything about that. And then we come and read a passage like this, and we realize, oh my goodness, I haven't been a doer of God's word. I haven't been obeying him. And we feel despair. We feel despair because maybe sometimes we think it is too late for us, too late for us to know. We have already built our house on this foundation of sand, and we're just waiting for disaster to happen. But no, 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 no. There is something we can do. We can still fix the foundation. Like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it is not too late. In fact, because they put in the effort to fix the foundation for the tower, it is now a worldwide attraction. If it, if it is not safe, do you think they will allow tourists to go near the building that could potentially topple at any point in time? Of course not. But because they fixed it, they mended the foundations, now it's secure, people can go there and marvel at that. It is not too late to start now. So what are, you, what are you building a foundation on? Is it on solid rock or has it been on shifting sands? If you haven't built on, on a strong foundation for many years for on your life, it is not too late to change. It's never too late to start obeying the words of Jesus, to mend the foundations of your life. Never too late. It is never too late to be hearers and doers of God's word. So two points today. Very simple points. Hear and know the words of God. Put into practice the word of God. Be hearers and doers of God's word. Be hearers and doers of God's word. And as we come to the end of the sermon, what I want us to do is look at verse 28 and 29 again. This is what he says, verse 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And this is referring to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Notice that. And I once had a, a great Old Testament lecturer. Uh, his name is Daniel Block. And one of the stories he told us is this. He, one of the things that he would do is to meet up with some of his Jewish non-Christian friends, uh, maybe once a fortnight, if I remember, once a fortnight. They would just open the Bible, and they would just read the Bible out loud together. That's what they would do, and they would talk about that. So this one time, they came to the Sermon on the Mount. So this Jewish friend of his started reading from the beginning of chapter 5 all the way to the end of Matthew chapter 7, what, like what he just read. And after reading the whole thing, his Jewish friend, right, so, so he was reading it, after reading the whole thing, he just closed his Bible, and then he said this, just who does Jesus think he is? 
Just who does he think he is? You see, we have become so familiar with Jesus, we don't recognize that Jesus is someone who speaks with authority. Not just with any kind of authority, but with God's authority. He's not merely interpreting God's law. He's not speaking as someone who is interpreting God's law, like the Pharisees, but someone who knows and gives God's laws. He's not speaking as someone who has memorized God's law, but someone who has embodied it. That's why the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who, has, uh, as, who had authority. He is God. And when God speaks, we don't only hear, but we do. We are not only hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word. If you're walking down the street one day, right, if a random person stops you and asks and search for you, to search for your bag, would you let the person do it? Of course not. It's a random person. Why would you allow that? But if you go to the airport, an immigration officer or a custom officer asks you to have your bag scanned before you are able to enter the plane, would you let the person do it? Yes, of course. Because the person will have the authority to do that. The authority has been vested in them to do that. Now we come here. This is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's asking us to obey him, to follow him. The one who upholds the universe in his hands, the one who gives us life, and the one who loved us so much that he died for our sins. This is who he is. Should we and will we follow someone like that? Of course we should, and of course we will follow and obey. So let us listen to his words. Let us be doers of his words. And let us build the foundation of our lives by trusting him and by obeying him. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus who has given us the Sermon of the Mount, given us knowledge to know how to live in your kingdom, in your world. And Father, we know and we admit it is not easy to be doers of your word. We are, after all, such sinful beings. So we do need your help. So we pray for your spirit to help us to do that, to obey you, to trust in you, and to do what you have asked us to do, to obey you. So Father, we pray that these words will sink deep into our hearts and we recognize that these words are given by a king who loved us and gave himself for us. He only wants what's best for us. So Father, we pray that we recognize that so that we can obey him wholeheartedly, obey him willingly, obey him because we love him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.